Proverbs, you may already be there, but we're going to go to the fourth chapter. And ushers, I am ready for you to help me distribute, if you can, uh, to distribute uh, those handouts. We're doing handouts again tonight. Hallelujah. We're going to talk again and further about our finances. Glory to God. Still stirred about that and uh, seemed good to me to stay on that track. And so we'll just do it. We'll just do it. Praise God. I intend to just live different and overcome every last day negative sign out there, right? The Bible says in the last days men will betray one another, but I'm not going to betray. I'm not. The Bible says in the last days many will be deceived, but in Jesus' name I'm going to stay with the truth. How about you? The Bible says in the last days there shall be wars, but I'll be protected. Amen, and so will you in Jesus' name. Bible talks about in these last days, there will be famines. There will be famines. But I don't intend on having a famine. <laughs> I mean, if God wants to just be that global and that intent, He's just going to have to take His church out of here. And eventually, that's exactly what He will do. But until then, we have a covenant. We'll always have a covenant with Him. Hallelujah. And that covenant includes supply. Amen. But we need a covenant is a two-sided scenario. It's not just a God-sided thing. It's not just a, a blank promise with no conditions. Covenants are two-sided. And so uh, we want to become very skillful in our part of the covenant. Amen? Hallelujah. So I'm just kind of just talking, waiting for those to get distributed. Thank you, ushers. Appreciate that so much. I don't like passing them out before because if you're like me, you get a, I cheat. You know, I'm going to get ahead. <laughs> I want you to read the sermon till it's time. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So praise God. Uh, between the last couple of weeks, my wife and I together uh, have been ministering on supply. And we're going to just move further in this tonight. And she condensed. She's like, you're too wordy. She condensed my list of 10 into a list of about six. And she did good. But uh, we're assuming that you have these things in play at work, right? That you're a tither that you're a giver of offerings, amen, that you have a pastor and you're properly connected to that pastor and local church, that you are bringing a faithful supply of service and prayer and doing your part in that local church. Uh, we trust that you are just like we said, that you have a vision, you have a dream, you have direction that you're pursuing. Glory to God. Uh, that you're willing to get out of your little boat of comfort, and at the Lord's direction to get out of the comfort zone that you've lived in. Amen. Amen. And there's just so much more in there, but now we're, we're moving on. So uh, tonight I had it in my heart to, to minister and to teach us about how money comes, or we'll call it possessing your prosperity. Possessing your prosperity. And uh, I have learned by experience now, all of these things I'm about to list and name, they are so necessary. They're so necessary. That's why we've already taught on them. Uh, but you know, you can be in the kingdom and be spirit-filled, love God with all of your heart, be, you know, be a tither, be a sower of offerings, have a dream, uh, talk right, have a good confession, and even have your mind renewed to a great degree and still not prosper financially. <laughs> this is why so many Christians struggle in the financial realm. Now, Jesus, in one of those visitations with him many years ago, he said, now, understand, you'll have, Jesus talking to one of his sons, one of his servants, Kenneth E. Hagin, you'll have more problems with the devil in regards to money and finances and material things than in any other area. And he said, I'm glad he asked, he said, well, why is that? And he said, well, because Satan is the God, little g, of this world system, and he's in possession of it, the largest part of it in this earth. Now, it doesn't belong to him, but he's a thief. Amen? And he's, you know, God's not the one withholding food and clothes and gas and rent and housing and good, and good things from our lives. He's not. It is the devil. And so we have to learn how to really rend our stuff out of the hand of the enemy 
and, and walk in our authority. And uh, uh, so anyway, glory to God. But there is a lot of connectors to walking in supernatural Bible prosperity. But that doesn't mean it's hard. It doesn't mean it's hard. It just means there's more than being a tither. Some people think, well, if I can check that box, you know, money's just going to show up in the mail and my debts will be supernaturally canceled and I'm going to be swimming in money before long. You found out if you've tithed very long, that's just not the, not the case. Tithing is powerful. It's just not all there is. Amen. So I wanted to have the Lord and he talked to me, I talked to him about I want to help you. I want to help us all put handles on the how. How does this all happen? Yeah, amen. 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 Now, how it happens, you know, generally we'll, we'll be able to cover those, but one of the things, and I talk about this in my book, uh, A Prosperous Journey, that I think is unfortunate in the way pastors and preachers and TV ministers have portrayed how biblical supernatural prosperity happens is they get up, because all they know is how God's prospered them. That's all they know. And, and so they get up and they talk about what God and how God has blessed them. And the Lord dealt with me at the writing of that book, and I've seen this over the years, that the way God takes care of His ministers is not the same way, typically, that He's going to bless and take care of the laity. And one of the things God pointed me to, we just thought, everybody get a handout? We still, did I, I, did I think too small tonight? Maybe I didn't print enough. Okay, well, praise God, that's my bad. I got to think bigger. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. And um, do you have the ability, you can take that unit down one on the back wall. All right. And so, but anyway... The, one of the ways the Lord showed me this was the 12 tribes of Israel. You remember there, 12 tribes. Jacob had 12 sons, 12 tribes of Israel came of them. Eventually, as the tabernacle and Levitical worship began to be instituted, God chose one of Jacob's sons, Levi, the tribe of Levi, and he separated them, didn't he? You know anything about your Old Testament? He separated them. And when Joshua led the children of Israel and all those 12 tribes progressively into Canaan's land, into the promised land, he told them the Levites have no inheritance in the land. So the tribe of Manasseh and the tribe of, you know, all these different tribes, God would tell them, this area that you've conquered, give that to Manasseh. Give that to this tribe until all the tribes had found their place in the land. But the Levites specifically were separated. Uh, they did not have land. They had designated cities, but the Levites were to live among the people as the priests. And, and their job was different. They were to uh, be priests. They were to handle and facilitate all the sacrifices, all the offerings, the taking care of the tabernacle, Right? Uh, the holy things inside the tent of meeting. I don't know if you know your Old Testament enough to understand what I'm talking about. But basically, in the Old Testament, they were in the ministry. Right? And how did God take care of the priests? You know, according to, if they were still doing, if we were doing it today like they'd be back then, I'd be on the countdown to forced retirement. Because I'm turning 50 in November, and all the priests, they were forced retirement at 50, and they were had funded for the rest of their life. Now, the lifespan was a lot different back then, you know, whatever. But 50, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to retire 50, I'm going to keep going. So. But anyway, how did the Levites, how, how did God sustain them and bless them and take care of them? He gave them, he said, you, the offerings the people bring. They brought a meat offering. You facilitate that, that's, you can take that and feed your family with it. Amen? And when the farmers brought their sheave offerings and their weed offerings, and they, they tied the grain. They didn't just convert it to currency. So if they had wheat, they brought wheat. And that's where the Levites got wheat. God provided houses, and they built cities for the Levites to dwell in. Well, how did all the other 11 tribes live? Did someone show up and give them wheat? No. Did someone show up and give them a cow? 
Now, maybe it happened every now and then, but that was not the order of the day. How did God, how did their prosperity, they had a covenant of prosperity. All of God's people had a covenant of prosperity. How did that work? God said, farm your field, mine the ore, engage in business, trade, catch fur, invent things, fish, fish, farm, ranch, buy, sell, be blessed, trade spices, make garments, be a craftsman. Are you getting this? So when preacher, and there's this principle applies today. The way God takes care of me is not, and I could just stand up here and say, I sowed a seed and all this money came. And money came, and, and you can get the idea, well, how come money's not showing up in my mailbox? I'm in the Levitical priesthood. I'm not, God doesn't want me out there engaging in the marketplace like you are called to be out there and engage in the marketplace. And I don't think this distinction has been made clear among the sheep and that there's been frustration because we give this idea that if all I do is release my tithe, sow offerings, have a big dream, renew my mind, and have a good confession, that money's just going to show up. And when it doesn't, people can get frustrated. So we're talking tonight about how prosperity comes. And I'm endeavoring to talk to it from your side of the ledger, not mine. Amen? Amen. All right. Y'all okay? Praise God. I like, you know, when I hear men, and I'm around it, and they tell, ooh, and this, and this came to, and I rejoice with them, but I'm like this. I want to talk to you in private. I want to know how that, I want to know the details behind the thing. Who did God use? What did God direct you to do? How did that all come to pass? Because I know the money probably just didn't materialize. I did that with travel. We would go to meetings, and in the beginning before I heard from God, before I got a strategy, and, you know, the church back then didn't have the kind of resources that we have today. And meetings, to get to California to be around my spiritual father, take my whole family to be, you know, whatever, just even me to go, it's expensive. And I see these preachers, and they're at every meeting. And they're writing checks and acting like they're real happy. And and I'm like, I want to know, how do you pay for all this? And keep the church going. Do everything like you're supposed to do. That's just me. Maybe you're not like me, but I, 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 you know, inquiring minds want to know. Well, I thought, you know, I'm pretty, I can be a little bit nosy. I'm a sniffer outer, but I just didn't have the gumption to pull Pastor Jay aside and say, now I want you to tell me. So in my lightning, you know, fast mind, I went to talk to God about it. What a novel idea. I went and talked to God about it. I did, and I was sincere. And that's when God said, he said, you know, Chris, you have enough people, you have more people asking you to speak into their life on a stronger, more individual way than you can do. I want you to start a mentoring class. Do it on Thursday nights. I don't want you to take an offering. I want you to charge an admission fee. And I want you to take all that money and that's how you'll fund meetings and it won't hurt the church. The church won't have that burden. You can, you know, print books with it. And I've gone to India. I've gone to Mexico. Uh, we've printed books. I've given out of it. Uh, we've bought infrastructure. We've, we've bought hotel rooms, airline tickets, rental cars, food, given offerings. It's been great. Amen. Been wonderful. Amen. Here's my point. God gave me a plan. God gave me a plan. Amen. Look on your handout here or in your Bible there in Proverbs chapter 4. And the first thing that I want to talk about, about how is the role that wisdom plays. The role that wisdom plays in how you're going to possess what belongs to you in Christ in the area of prosperity. Amen. How are you going to possess the house of your dreams? Wisdom. Amen. How are you going to break over into greater flows of income? Wisdom. Amen. Let's look at this. Proverbs 4, 7 and 8 says, Wisdom 
is the principal thing. Amen? If you think I made that up and printed it on a handout, you check the reference. Amen? It says, wisdom is the principal thing. What do you think he means by the principal thing? The first thing. I like that. The main thing. One translation says, the chief thing is wisdom. Amen? So before anything else, at the top is wisdom. Are you with me? Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her. You with me? Exalt wisdom. And she, wisdom, will promote you. How many of you want to be promoted in every arena of your life? I want to be promoted in every arena of my life. What do I need? Wisdom. Wisdom. Is it way down the list? I'll get to it eventually. But I am a tither. Well, that's, being a tither is wisdom. It's just not all wisdom. Amen? Exalt wisdom and she will promote you. She will bring you to honor when you embrace her. When you embrace the humble truth that you don't know what you need to know to get where God wants you to go. So in, in, that, in that humble acknowledgement of the truth, I don't know what I need to know to get where God wants me to go. When I acknowledge that and then begin to seek the remedy, which is wisdom, His wisdom for me, then that wisdom is going to come and it's going to promote me. Now, we, you should read Proverbs 3 in its entirety. Read Proverbs 4. Read Proverbs 8, 9, and 10. And it's just going to talk to you and extol over and over and over and extensively about what wisdom will do for and to and in the life of the one who attains it. Here's just a sample. In the, uh, it's not in Proverbs, but it's in um, well, it's a quote. Yeah, it's a quote from David, and I have it in the God's Word translation. Psalm 119, this is David talking. And David says, I have more insight than all my teachers. <laughs> because your, this is God's, written instructions are in my thoughts. I have more wisdom than those with many years of experience because I have obeyed your principles. I don't get offended, but someone could be dumb as a rock. <laughs> and get in the Bible and just flat take God at His word and do it. And He will be and look and live smarter than all the PhD, you know, MD, what fours in the land. Because they had enough ability to read God's thoughts and obey God's instructions. And David, where, where did God pull David from? Harvard? Is that where he found him? Did David receive his, you know, his, uh, uh, some kingdom school of business where he was the top of his class and that's where God pulled him to be king? Where did he find him? Out in the field. And other than herding sheep and scooping poo and feeding grain and shearing sheep, what was he doing? What do we know about David and his lifestyle? He was, he was in the Word all the time. All the time. He lived there, worshiped God, seeking God, meditating. He's just a humble shepherd boy that when the prophet shows up to and already said, the next king is in, your, is in your sons, he didn't even invite David to stand in line. He was so sure David was not it. And yet here David by the Spirit is saying, I'm smarter than all my teachers. All the scribes, all the sages... I've got more experience, right? I have more wisdom than those with much more experience in life than me. Why? Because I obeyed your principles. Amen. I give this to you in um, 
uh, an amplified in a, in a message. I like it. It says, he said, I understand more than the aged because I keep your precepts. Amen. Hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying it. I like the message even better. It says, I've become wiser than the wise old sages simply by doing what you tell me. See, if you will commit yourself, wisdom is the principal thing. God is the source of all true wisdom. I'm going to get wisdom. It doesn't matter how bad you did in school. It doesn't matter what limitations you have or think you have, what disadvantages you have. God has put all He knows at your disposal. The vast majority of the movers and shakers, the big innovators and creators like Bill Gates, and I'm not saying he's even a moral man. He, didn't even do, he did not do well. He was a C student in school. The Apple guys that founded that in their garage, look at them today. They were not, they were not good students. The vast majority of CEOs of five, Fortune 500 companies, they didn't, they didn't get plucked from Princeton Business School. They were dreamers. They were innovators. They were risk takers. They were out of the box thinkers. Anyway, I don't get off on that. But I'm just telling you, there's no wisdom against the word. Like if we went into, what is that, Edward Jones Investment or any of those places, and I said, we want you to get some advice and some wisdom from you about our financial future. And they say, well, show me what you've been doing. And they look at Amber and I, and he says, you gave 25% of your income away last year. What kind of wisdom do you think he's going to say? Yeah. Don't do that. Give me that 25% and let me put it in a this or a that or a that. But is that wisdom? No, no that's not wisdom. To become a God robber? So you understand when we're talking about wisdom, we're talking about God's wisdom. We're talking about divine wisdom. We're talking about heavenly wisdom. Amen? And I could preach a whole sermon series about this, but I wanted to point this out to you. How are you and I going to prosper? It is paramount that what you're thinking of. So many people are thinking they're chasing money. They're chasing better jobs. They're chasing things. When what they need to be going after is the principal thing, Amen. which is wisdom from God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. His wisdom is written, and His wisdom will be spoken to you. All right, so let's move ahead. Are you guys okay? Yes, sir. So the next thing I want to talk to you about is, is understanding in Roman numeral number two, that there is a wealthy place and that you and I are not going to prosper like God intends for us to prosper until we find, get in, and begin to function in our God-ordained place. Amen. Let me say it another way and maybe in a more practical way. Prosperity in your life is connected to His plan. Prosperity, your prosperity is connected to His plan. That's right. And it would be so, you are on this earth for something. For something great. Amen. And what you, you, you and I, it's, it's all on all of us individually to find out. What am I on the earth to do? And then whatever place, time frame in my life, you know, whatever station. Now, some of us, you know, the, if the young people are in here, uh, you know, like amen, and those that are, we have our children's church, younger people, the earlier you find this out, the less hardship and inconvenience you will suffer to get in it if you're not in it. But if you wait till you get a wife, and roots, and a mortgage. And then, and then you find out after a wife, 
and a mortgage and three kids that are all in diapers that God's called you to the mission field. What would wisdom, what would wisdom demand? Get yourself to the mission field. But that the amount of change in uprooting and life upheaval and adjustments is going to be more massive in that scenario than an 18-year-old that's graduating from high school with no attachments and no responsibilities and go, off I go. Now, it being more difficult and inconvenient does not mean you shouldn't do it. It would be wisdom for you to liquidate everything you have. Go back to eliminate as many fiscal, financial, life responsibility. Now, you can't get rid of your kids and you can't get rid of your wife. But God's a big, he's a good God. He's a big God. He may want you to take your wife and kids to the mission field too. And he will fund it, and you'll be protected, and you'll be happy, and you'll be most fulfilled. And I tell you what, if that was true, and you were going to live six months of the year in a grass hut, if that's your wealthy place, it'll be better for you, more prosperous for you, more healthy for you, more powerful for you, more fulfilling for you in the grass hut than living in the penthouse in Chicago somewhere out of the will of God. Unfulfilled, frustrated, underfunded. Are you with me? So look at some scriptural reference we have for this. Psalm 66, verse 10 through 12. And this is one of the scriptures God gave me that day when he told me about relocating and building this building. Psalm 66, 10 through 12 says, Thou hast tried us, uh, for you, O God, you have proved us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You have brought us into the net. You've laid affliction upon our loins. You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. One translation says we went through hell and back. Amen. But you brought us out into a wealthy place. Listen, you just have to get this. You have to get this revelation. Look at what, what did God first say to Abram? I mean, right out of the gate, right out of the box. Here's my introduction. What do you say? Get up from here, Haran, and leave. And just start going. I'll tell you we're going later. But he said, if you do, if you'll leave where you're at and go where I tell you to go and do what I tell you to do, I will bless you. I will empower you to prosper. I will make your name great. I will make your name distinguished. And you shall be a blessing. Amen. Come on. Amen. But what, experiencing that level of blessing and prosperity from God, what did it mean? Get from this place to this place. So wandering through Canaan's land, that was his whole life's job. This is how God works. For your descendants to have this land, I need someone to tread on it. I need you to walk it. Because every, what did he say to Joshua years later? A descendant of Abraham. Amen. Every place that the sole of your foot doth tread, it's yours. Well, one reason is because your great-great-great-grandpa already walked it. He already walked it. And so he had these tents. He never dwelt in a, in a permanent home. He, he dwelt as a sojourner, and he just walked. That was his, that was his whole life assignment, uh, was to know God, be the friend of God, uh, open the door for, uh, by the sacrifice of Isaac, being willing to do that to get Jesus into the earth. He lived a blessed, he was rich. I mean, he was rich, and he had servants. And, and what did God tell him to do? Just go from here to there, amen, and walk the land till you die. But he was blessed. You think about Isaac. Did Isaac have a wealthy place? He did. There was a famine in that place. And he was tempted to do what daddy did, which was to flee to Egypt. And God said in Genesis 26, do not go down there. That is not your wealthy place. Stay here. I know it looks bad, but you stay here. And he sowed in that land, and we know he reaped in that year a hundredfold. He prospered to the extreme 
when it looked like you can't prosper there, because that was his place. Well, you have a place. Amen. I see, I see it, a select few over the years called to the ministry. These men called to the ministry won't do it. Won't do it. Refuse to do it. And, oh my, they live small lives, um, trouble-filled lives, less than lives, frustrated lives. I'm just a casual observer, but it's evident, so obvious. Amen. Amen. If they would just get over their whatever and get over here in their wealthy place. Things begin to go and things begin to flow and things begin to work and you find out you're a lot happier. But you have a wealthy place and don't spend the rest of your life trying to be a square that you are determined you're going to fit yourself into a round hole. Amen? Some people need to go to college because their calling demands that level of education. But there's a lot that don't. And so don't just go to college because that's what everybody does. Or that's the so-called prepared path to blessing and prosperity. These degrees, I've watched them, they don't translate to jobs like they used to. They don't. They're not the door opener that they used to be. Now listen, if your call is to be my brain surgeon, which y'all never need that, in Jesus' name, you better go to college. You better get your, you better get it all and do good in school. See, some of those, you, you need that. Amen? Some people, okay, this is, this is just wisdom. If I had my young, some of my young people's ear and they, and they were at all kind of good with their hands and they had a good work ethic, you know what I would tell them to do? i say, son, get yourself hired on it in a plumbing company and learn a trade, apprentice for a few years, get out there and start. You know, these plumbers out there right now, you, they can name their price. You can name your price. HVAC. I mean, I need one. I've been waiting in line since Monday. And you call them up, and I'm, I'm going to be sweet to them. I mean, it's so hot. People all over the region are down with air conditioning, you know, and they're heroes. But there is a shortage. And they could go and charge, right? They could charge me whatever they want. I just, I have to have it. I, 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 here's my safe. Just, just fix it. Please. Please fix it. It's a hundred. Like, it's like a hundred degrees upstairs. You know. Well, they want to. And you could, you could learn that, do that, be your own boss, set your own hours, and make as much money as you want. Uh, that sounds like I might have to sweat a little. Come on, don't stop that. Here's another thing, just practical things. Uh, before I was blessed with my tractor, we had to pay someone to come out and bush hog the farm several times a year. So I call a guy up, and uh, he happens to be, I'm going to name him because I think he's a great guy. I don't know him very well. I think he's a great guy. And in Newton Outdoor, Newton Outdoor, his name is Sean Newton, and he owes me something for a kickback here if you ever call him because anyway, he's a great guy. But anyway, young guy, you see him, he works out the gym, and he's like this. I mean, but anyway, so he shows up, but I call him, and he said, yes, I can come on a certain day, but listen, um, I, I get $100 an hour, and it's a three-hour minimum. It's $100 an hour and a three-hour minimum for me to show up. I said, well, I, listen, I got to have it, so just come on. So he, it took him about two hours and 15 minutes to do the whole property, and he was nice. He gave me a discount. I said, listen, I, you told me I'm ready to pay the 300 No, it's okay. You know, whatever, la, la, first customer. But So I got to talking to him, and I said, I said, how often could you, he's out there in an air-conditioned cab with his beats on, going like this, you know, 
making $100 an hour. And I said, how, how, much, how much could you do this? He said, I could sit in this cab all week long and do this. Hello. What is 40 hours of that a week times $100 an hour? What is that math? $4,000 a week. That's $16,000 a month. You don't need a college degree. To go do and I went in and told my kids, I said, y'all aren't called to it anyway, but I just want you to know we ain't doing this silly student loan stuff when you can get a tractor and write it off on your taxes and make a hundred bucks an hour. We just ain't doing that. Faith could get in the air-conditioned tractor. She's pretty savvy and sit there and listen to sermons and develop in her calling and make a hundred dollars an hour. What are you doing in the winter? Put a blade on it. And if it snows, go push snow for $300 an hour. Pastor, I thought you were preaching the word. I am. I'm just telling you, there is, you don't have to leave and go to Nashville to prosper or, or to go to uh, St. Louis to prosper. If you're called to Paducah and you're called to Amber and I and, and to help us in this work, in this church, you're going to prosper right here where you're planted. But you got to have some vision and a little bit of credit. Have a good name, have some credit, pay your bills so you can go get a loan, an interest-free loan for a tractor or, you know, whatever. Or use your faith and give, just buy one or whatever. You know, see what I mean? Then he told me more. He said, I said, there's more? He said, oh, yeah, I have a trucking business, too. I hold gravel, I dump gravel, you know, wherever people need. He says, every time I can find me a reliable driver to hire, I buy a new dump truck. Because I can run that dump truck, make money on that dump truck all day long, every day, every day. If someone will drive it, I make money on it. Plus, I have two residential mowing crews that are out and about right now working for me, mowing lawns. Do you know, have you met Sean? Have met Sean? He's your competition, brother. Amen. But he, he's got this, he started out mowing, and he got himself a tractor, and... I didn't get that. You didn't get that, but he, I hope you get it. Amen. I'm just telling you, you can be able-bodied and 60 years old, 65, 70, and sit in a cab and make $100 an hour. Yeah, and take your wife to the beach and give to special projects. Yeah. I'm just telling you, Amen. wisdom. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. But uh, well, we're talking about a place. There's a place. Find your place. Amen. Amen. Find your place. And uh, so, we're going to skip down for time's sake. But, um, you know, Ephesians 2.10, you see that under 5a. That talks about prosperity in the plan. He's prepared and prearranged a plan. Jesus said when he was hungry, they went to get him food. Then he had this spiritual encounter with the woman at the well. And when that was over, they said, here's your lunch. He goes, I'm not hungry. And he was about to fall over with hunger and fatigue earlier. He said, I have meat. I have food. I have nourishment you know not of. He's talking about what? Well, he said in a later verse, he said, My meat, my nourishment is to do the will of my Father and to finish His work. So see, there was a sustaining force, a nourishing, maintaining, fulfilling, sustaining force that overcame natural hunger and fatigue in Jesus' life because He was so fulfilled being in his place, doing what God called him to do. Amen. Now, let's advance here. Y'all still okay? <clears throat> Skipping, uh, there's a, you have to go to the second page and on the back. And um, I'm not sure exactly where I make this statement. Let me look for it. Here, do, repeat. Here, do, repeat. Yeah. So let's talk about this. So we've, we've talked about wisdom, principal thing. That's the most important thing. And we've talked about a place. There's a place for you that God's already carved out for you to prosper. Well, this is, this is where it all, this is where the rub, this is where it's going to make the difference. So you're either going to get this, walk in it or not. 
And that is to do all of that, to get the wisdom, to know what your place is, you have to hear from him. This is the whole thing. You individually have to hear from him. So prosperity, I don't know if you can find that on there. It may be on that third, the, the next page over. Prosperity, yeah, at the top of that next page. Prosperity is the product of God's plan. Prosperity is produced by God's plan. I'm doing well because I'm in God's plan. He already funded it. I don't have to talk him into funding it. It was his plan. I don't have to fund it myself because I'm living my plan. I'm living his plan to the best of my understanding, right? And his plan's already funded. So prosperity is a product of God's plan. Well, then number two, God's plan revealed in your life is a product of prayer and waiting on God. And this is where you lose 90% of the body of Christ. They would rather give up their place, their divine prosperity, all the blessings of God, and, they, and they're willing to trade all that to get out of not uh, to get out of praying. Seriously. People don't take time to pray and to wait on God to hear from Him. And since they don't hear from Him, they're left to their own devices. And they go and make their own plans. And many stray from God's ideal. And we invite difficulties into our lives we should never have faced. All because we don't want to stop and pray and seek God and wait on God until we hear from Him. But friend, if you will, if you will, you'd have to back up in the handout. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, God, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you. But verse 12, nobody reads verse 12. We all love to, like to quote Jeremiah 29, 11, that God knows the plans that He has for us. But verse 12 and 13 are the more important. He says, for then you will come to me, you will go to me, and you will pray to me, and you will seek me with all of your heart, and when you do that, I, you will be found of me, and I will tell you about all these wonderful plans I have. But people love to, you know, just quote Jeremiah 29, 11, God has a plan for us, and just think, I can just be busy and mindless and active and do my own thing, and somehow or another God's shaping everything to make sure I end up in the right way. And no, people could live their entire lives and do nothing that God planned. Nothing other than get saved. Seriously. You show up in heaven, and, and he's going to go, tell me what you do with my plan. And you'll find out you did nothing, zero. Everything was spent doing your stuff. But it doesn't have to be that way. And it's certainly not wisdom to live like that. Are you with me? Oh, hallelujah. So you can see there, B, God has made abundant provision for all of us. None of us have been left out. God has a wonderful plan for all of our lives. And that's every aspect of your life, not just your money. Amen. But what is required? What is required is that you hear from him about it. Amen. What is required is that you are led by him. And then once, you're, once you hear from him, there's another step. Once you hear from him, what do you got to do now? You got to do it. You have to obey. There was a day where he made it known to me, son, I have not called you to do radiation therapy for your life, for your career. Now I watched my grandpa's die of cancer. I heard about that career, and that sounded like something good, and I knew I could sustain a family with that. So from the ninth grade in high school, I knew what I was doing. 
I'm going to live out my high school days. I'm going to go to the University of Oklahoma, and I'm going to go into the radiation therapy program. And I'm going to do, I'm going to fight cancer. I'm going to administer radiation therapy to people that need it. And I'm going to make good salary. And I can take that anywhere I want to go. And that's what I'm doing. But God. Well, what if I'd have just went la, 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 la. And said, uh-uh, to the call to minister on my life. Amen. All kinds of, and God's merciful. He'll wait decades. And he'll bless you as far as he can. But you won't have the level of flow and prosperity and fruitfulness and joy that you'd have if you were in the plan. Thankfully, by his grace, I've I've been in the plan for a long time. Amen. And this this is just really where the rubber meets the road for for some people, right? I mean, you can get that high school diploma, but you'd just be very dangerous. Graduate from high school, and now that is a a vital, that is a very critical, what are you going to do? Spend $50,000 to get a degree on in, that 90% of people do not want to even go in that field by the time they graduate. They're done. They don't even like it. They spent four years and 50, 60, 70, $100,000 to find out they don't want to do that. Yep. Yep. And mom and dad or them are going to foot the bill for that for the next 30 years. Yep. I'm just being real practical with you. I mean, you're getting kind of quiet on me. But I'm trying to talk to you about how this actually works, how money comes. It's not all this woo, spooky, and the money's just going to, I'm going to tithe, I'm going to give, and God's going to move on Brother Dakota and give me that little nice red car of his. <laughs> That's just not how, you're you going to give your red car away? I bet you would if God told you to, but, you know, that's just not typically how that works. Yeah. Amen. So let's look at Roman numeral number four, and I'm, I'm looking at the clock here. Hallelujah. So get ready for this statement here. You see it. A, money isn't going to just show up. I think we have time to go to the code of these quick references. If you want to look at Deuteronomy 8, you know this. Deuteronomy 8. Now see, you have an anointing on your life being in the laity We'll call you a member of the 11 tribes, right? You're not, the, the, those that were in the 11 tribes versus Levites, the Levites weren't more special than the tribe of Manasseh. They weren't more special. They didn't have a greater promise from God to do better financially, right? They really had to have more faith that the people would do what they're supposed to do to take care of them. And many ministers have not been taken care of like y'all have taken care of us. And good on you for that. And uh, so, so anyway, Deuteronomy 8.18, you know what it says. Amen? Start me off. I, ne- I never found a reference. Uh, for, you shall earnestly what? You shall not forget. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He that gives you power to get wealth. Power to produce wealth is what that means. Not power to receive it in the mail. That's not what that word means. That word get means produce. Are you with me? So you have an anointing on your life that you need to develop and tap into. Amen. To create and produce wealth. And listen, this ministry needs you to. I don't want to, I'm almost 50. I spent 16 years, you and me, 16 years to build one. I don't want to be 66 and celebrating the finish of the next one. Amen, and 80 finishing phase three. There's an acceleration. There must be an acceleration, and there will be. Amen. But there's an anointing on you to engage in the marketplace, to be in your wealthy place. Amen. To produce wealth like I don't have it on me. I don't have it on me. But you have it, but you have to think right about it. Well, I don't I don't have any idea what that looks like. Wisdom. That's what you need. Wisdom for you. Wisdom for you. Well, how do I get that? Get in the word. The word is wisdom and pray. 
pray and talk to him, fellowship with him, he will tell you what to do. He led me all the way to go from where I was. I thought, well, I'm going to quit. I, you know, and I had to navigate those waters. Okay, I'm off track with radiation therapy. I'm going to quit and go to Rhema. So I tried that, and he checked me about it. Don't do that. So I went to school. I got to do something, but it's not radiation therapy. So I enrolled in sociology and psychology, and I ended up getting a degree in that. And then I graduated, and I got married, and I thought, well, now it's time to go to Bible school. So we applied again. We're ready to move. And he said, no, I don't want you to do that. So I went to work at Enterprise Rent a Car. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Washing cars in my suit. It was awful. But he began, he, would, he helped me and he protected me. And he's getting me from the wrong place to the right place. I ended up going on staff. That's where he wanted me. And I've been in a lane since then. I haven't veered from the lane. Now you step out, you do some out of the will of God. We all do, we get back in. But it's not like I quit my wife and decided to go and start a construction business and get rich and drink beer and all that. You know, I've just stayed in my lane. Just stay in my lane. Get up on Wednesday night and say, open your Bibles. That's, that's my lane. Get up on Sunday morning. Do what I'm, do it. God adds this, God's add that. That's fine, I'm doing it. And you get raised every year and you're blessed every year and you're protected from harm because you're in your lane. Amen. See what I mean? Well, you have a lane. I said, you have a lane. Uh, Deuteronomy 24, verse 19. We'll close with uh, th this thought here. Hope you're getting some. But there's real practical handles on understanding my God shall supply all my needs. But how? How is he going to do it? Now, he will work miracles. You need a miracle? Believe for one. We've seen him. He'll do them. But you don't want to go from financial miracle to financial miracle to financial miracle because you're going from crisis to crisis to crisis. You don't want to live there. God's not called you to live on the brink and need a financial miracle to the next miracle. Right? He wants you to live in the blessing. He wants me to live in the blessing. So Proverbs, no, no, no. Deuteronomy 24, 19 says this, uh, when you cut down your harvest in your field and you have, uh, uh, and has forgot a sheaf in the field, you shall not go again to fetch it. Uh, it shall be for the, so he said, in other words, you won't harvest 100% of your wheat. You're going to leave some on the corners. You're going to leave some on the edges of your field. For what? Well, for the stranger, for the fatherless, for the widow, that the poor could come, amen, and get something because you left some behind. That the Lord thy God may bless you in all the work of your hands. This is the how. You have an anointing and ability from God to produce wealth. and He is going to bless the work of your hands. So this is how you need to be thinking. Last scripture, Job 1. Job 1. Satan is here in this, uh, he's, he's showed up before the throne. God saw him there. And Satan brings up Job. And let's read this 10th verse. I don't often, don't often like quoting the devil, but uh, there's a principle here. Job 1.10 well, look at verse 9. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for nothing or not? Hast thou not made a hedge about him? Notice, notice this. God made a hedge about Job. And about his house or family? Hello? And about all that he has on every side? And you have what? Blessed the work of his hands. And his substance is increased in the land. Amen. How did Job get his stuff increased in the land? Well, it does say that God blessed him and protected him and put a hedge around him. Amen. And blessed what Job was doing. But here's, here's, a, here's a big revelation. I'm not joking. Job was doing something. 
He wasn't sitting at home making confessions. He did something. He did something. And God blessed it. This is how you're going to move into your prosperity. You're going to do something. And this is where you need to really pray. God, let's, let's say, okay, I promise I'm closing. Let's say you aspire, okay, my vision is, I'm talking just hypothetically, I want to make $80,000 next year, 2023. $80,000. Okay, listen, don't be so spiritual. I mean, be, be true, real spiritual, not pseudo-spiritual. Go to God in your relationship time with Him and say, God, I, I have a vision. I, I want to make $80,000 next year. What can I put my hand to that would produce that? Now, you may need to be thinking higher than rolling around on skate, skates and delivering ice cream at Sonic. That's, that's a noble thing, but they don't pay $80,000 for that that I know of in this woke culture. They might. I don't know, you know, but anyway. You, you may have to, what do I need to, and he said, well, and he may give you a thought. He may work, he, work, he may say something to you. And it may look impossible, but if you set your hand to that and he put that in your heart, then you before long, your vision will have come to pass. Every vision so far that I've put for myself out there on an annual salary, I have, I have moved past that and working on the next one. Amen. But do you see how you have an ability to produce wealth? God is going to bless your work, your hands. He's going to protect you and enable you. He's going to help you. Amen. But you have got, amen, to set your hand to something so He can bless it. And don't think small about that. But hear from Him. Amen. So the last thing I, I want to say is to remember this as we close. That wisdom is the chief thing. It is the principal thing. And it is wise to tithe. It is wise to have a pastor. It is wise to think right. It is wise to sow offerings. It is wise, amen, to renew your mind. It is wise to make an abundance of positive confessions. But it would also be wise for you to seek Him specifically and find out, am I in my lane? Am I in my wealthy place? If I'm not, where is my wealthy place? I want to I do greater. I want to have more. I want to be able to do more for the kingdom. So what, God, would you have me to set my hand to that you would bless? Amen. And, and for sheep called to the marketplace, you have a lot more options available to you than I might. <laughs> God didn't tell me, Pick a ministry office. Just pick one. I'll anoint you. Okay, I'll be an apostle. No, he, no, that's not how that works. But he might say, I want, you to, I want you to buy a restaurant franchise. Right? And he might say, you might say, well, which one? And he might tell you, or he might say, just pick one. God's told people to buy bankrupt companies before because you got them for cheap. And then he put his blessing on it and gave them wisdom and the thing turned around and prospered. Are you with me? So, here's, I'm not leaving until I give you this, but all this is a statement and we're, we're done. Waiting must be changed. Waiting must be turned to wisdom. Wisdom must then be turned into action. Wisdom acted upon will always produce prosperity. Always. It's a law. Read Proverbs. Read Proverbs 3, 4. Uh, read it. Read uh, 6, 7, uh, especially 8, 9, 10. Read about what wisdom will do for you. It's better. It's merchandise. The merchandise of wisdom is better than gold. It's better than rubies. It's better than silver. Because someone could take your gold but they can't take your wisdom. They can't take your wisdom. They can take all your stuff. You still got the wisdom. A few years later, you'll have it all back and more. Amen. So, uh, 
anyway, I pray you got something out of that. And uh, I'm not against talking much more about it. Um, but just understand, unless you know you've got a nest egg and you've got investments and you're retired and all your bills are paid, just understand there's work out there. Anointed, blessed, God-inspired work that you're to, you're to have your hand to the plow and expecting God, because you're a tither and a giver and all those other things, to rise to the top, to the top of your field in whatever endeavor you're in. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we...